0: Hey, everybody. Tyler Smith here of Battleship Pretension. I am at the uh, Lemley Music Hall Theater uh, on Wilshire. And uh, so you'll probably hear some uh, popcorn and people uh, demanding things and all that kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, I'm here with... I'm here with the director of Division Nineteen, a new science fiction. I'm not. I, I would say science fiction first, yep. and then action film or yep. thriller.
1: Well, thriller they say, but it is. It's just a science fiction study.
0: I'd say. Oh, okay. Well, that's that is something science we're going to f- get political into. Political science fiction. Okay, uh, and so we are here with the the director, uh, Susie, Halewood. right okay yes yes. I yeah sorry everybody I I mixed up the name earlier and I was very uh, very confused Um, but yeah so uh, I know that this film has been and so it's it's available in select theaters and and that sort of thing so um, I know that the film has been you've been working on it for a while like I was looking back and it said that's that filming filming was going to start in 2012? Did it start later than that? Or? Yeah,
1: it did start later than that. We shot okay. some in Detroit a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Um,
1: and then we, we didn't exactly run out of money, but we were, we couldn't carry on the shooting in Detroit because one of the actors um, wasn't available afterwards right. we started. So then we carried on. We had a kind of a hiatus about three or four months, and then we shot the rest in L.A. Okay. Um, and then we had another hiatus, and it was all cut, but then we did another pickup day in L.A. Boy. And because it had taken so long, we decided we we're going to release it in 2019 as okay. a kind of a nod to Blade Runner cuz Blade Runner there was set go. in 20 <laughs> There
0: you go. So, there we go. That was that. Yeah, it's uh yeah and so uh, listeners if you if you look up the film and you see that it's listed as 2017 don't let that throw you uh, it is a film that is that is uh, coming out uh, this year recently uh, recently finished, finished. Um, but yeah so real quick uh, I'm already intrigued by a, a scientific study a political mm. scientific study as you said um, to find out specifically what that means, but first, just in the in the very basic, like what is the film about?
1: Yeah, okay, well, people get bogged down with the plot a bit, because okay. <laughs> obviously there's an awful lot of things in it, but it's not really about the plot. Right. And in a weird way, it's not even about the characters. And I know that sounds a really daft thing to say, but I did this as an experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, the last film I did, uh, I wrote another film afterwards that, that hasn't been made yet, but it was all very character-oriented, and mm-hmm. the characters kind of took over, which I know is the point. Yeah. But the reason why I, th- I decided with Division 19 I was going to try kind of building an armature mm-hmm. and then these characters inverted commas were kind of like pawns in a game that you mm-hmm. move around so for example the Nielsen character played by Alison Doody yeah. uh, re- represents data warehousing and all yeah. the things that we should be frightened of mm-hmm. the, the Linden character which um, is played by Linus Roach he's the kind of president of the day but actually he's a quite a decent human being
0: That's that was already that was something that you know when you see these movies mm. you kind of have an expectation of like oh the guy in the office, in the suit, I think I have an idea who the villain might be, and he wasn't. He no. actually was really trying to do something. He was yeah. much more humanistic than I expected. And yeah, because
1: I think he sort of realised that he is a dinosaur in right. the modern day. You know, he can't hack into computers. He, you know, it's set in 2039. It's not right. that far away. Yeah. Um, and then the Jamie Draven, the lead character, Hardin, which some people say, well, look, he's you know he's, he's, he's kind of catatonic for the first half mm-hmm. an hour. Well, yeah, he's been in a jail for ten years and waiting yeah. for ten years, and he doesn't realise that he's been watched all this time. He's yeah. become a video show well if you came out and you saw that you'd be catatonic. Yeah. so he in a sense represents us you know the everyman the kind mm-hmm. of acquiesced you know the bungled and the botched whatever you want to call us so that we're kind of wandering through going oh my god that sucks we don't like that but no one's doing anything about it and mm-hmm. the other side of the story is the brother Nash and all the kids that run around the rooftops um, and they only run around the rooftops by the way it's not like I wanted to parkour in the movie <laughs> it was just where would you live if you were off grid you'd yeah, yeah, yeah. live in the sewers or you'd live in the rooftops Yeah. Um, so and there's. So that side of the story is that this is what we can do if we want to do something about it. You know, right. in, in the UK, most people are employed by what we call right. small and medium-sized businesses mm-hmm. or enterprises. If those people down tools and said, we're not going to do any work or more importantly, we're not going to pay any tax until these things happen, mm-hmm. you could bring the country to a standstill. But People don't stand up for what they want because right. they've got things to lose. You know, they've got kids at night school or yeah. they're worried about being thrown out of their house. But if you did it collectively, right. the power is in the crowd. Yeah
0: yeah it's there's there 's definitely a lot going on, and it was one of those things where i was uh for the first i 'd say forty minutes of the film I was trying to like keep up with the plot and all that mm. and it 's not and i don 't mean to suggest that the plot does not make sense, but not unlike a film noir which i 'm a huge fan of I thought like it's, as you said, it's not about the plot. Mm. And it's, and the characters are there to sort of set a tone. And it is about this larger tone. And the themes are definitely, the film, I feel like, leads with its themes. But in a way that I think is, uh, for lack of a better term, refreshing. Uh, oh. There was a lot of stuff that I, that I really liked mm. uh, about the film. And I do think that certainly it fits in with, uh, listeners know that back in film school, I took a, a class ridiculously titled science fiction visions of a post human future and it's like just say it's a sci-fi class come on <laughs> but i got what it meant which is this yeah. idea of like technology taking mm. over and beca- and people becoming reliant on mm. it and coming and that and then blending it with enjoyment so that the reliance is something that people love and they mm. welcome and it's enjoyable so that was something that really struck me about mm. about the film um, another thing that i was You mentioned, like, the various cities uh, that you shot. And what's interesting is, as I was watching the film, part of me thought, like is this Chicago? Like, I couldn't place mm-hmm. where it was. So, was it meant to be any one city or was it meant to just be kind of a city? Yeah,
1: no, it's just a sort of a generic right. future. You know, and this could be yeah. anywhere. I mean, I didn't sort of try to, you know, patch it up. Some of them, some of the rooftops stuff is shot shot in London. Mm-hmm. We did that for the trailer. Some, yeah. a little bit in New York. Um, a little bit, quite a lot in Detroit. That was the major sort of yeah. three-parter bit of the shoot and then about two and a half weeks in LA. Yeah. So, really, no. I mean, the only reason I shot in LA after Detroit as opposed to going back to London, because the weather wouldn't have matched, you know.
0: <laughs> well, and I will say that from a from a visual standpoint, it certainly all looks like. I mean, it looks like a very large, generic city, but mm. visually, like you wouldn't know that it t- that it's in different on different continents. No. You'd
1: have to specifically
0: <laughs> yeah. notice something, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what, what prompted you to, to make it? Well, Sci-fi is, is a very specific genre, yeah, you know. It is and a, not a cheap one, either.
1: No, I, I, I learned that. <laughs> um, well, no, at the time, I wrote this, like... Fifteen years ago, I mean, mm. like, you know, some of the re- okay, the reviews have been mixed, but some of the reviews are saying things. You know, they say, well, it's as though the Hunger Games never happened. It's like I wrote it mm. before the Hunger Games. You know, right. I've never seen Running Man, which I, yeah. I should have. But the point is, not about. Yeah, like, I don't know. You know, mean
0: to, but yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> I will try to see. <laughs> sure. It's more, you know, even those people that are mentioning things like that. It's like, well, okay, but if you're really going to say that, they're more about Brave New World and The End of the Machine. You know, these uh, yeah. are concerns that concern people for years. That's why these yeah. things keep coming up. It's not about trying to rip off another film. You know. I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that films like that with those same concerns would be made. Yeah. But originally it was when Tony Blair was in power in the UK and he was trying to bring in these new rules. And I was reading all about the NSA and all these mm-hmm. kind of like private offices underneath the ground and then hearing about other stuff that's really dodgy that I. I'm not going to mention mm-hmm. but it was just like horrifying and then a friend of mine told me that her kids they'd come home that day at school and I'd been asked if they could RFIG chip the kids hmm. and the excuse was well then people who don't have any money it doesn't matter you don't need to know they haven't got any money when they're queuing up for their dinner yeah. you know they just go bleep, bleep and then that's it it's like what and then future down the line what if yeah. you're, you're 21 you go, "I want my chip removed you don't even know if you've got right. another chip in you you know yeah. so this whole idea that we're just going to be monitored continually and mm-hmm. once your DNA swab was taken for example people thought they were legally supposed to be off that database you're never going to be off that database right. that's it for life so and when people say things like yeah but if, if you don't do anything wrong what are you worried about I'm worried about the state doing something wrong oh yeah when the state does something wrong and you want to take them on they're mm going to crush you and if you've got if they've got your DNA they can put you at a murder scene anything like that look at Assange and Snowden and Mm -hmm. you know Manning i mean, impressed so you know that's my it's like no once you you, once the state has too many details on you and we give them away every day on Facebook and stuff like this Mm -hmm. then You've, they've got control of you you know you really lose your sense of individuality i think and, mm-hmm. and we do the same thing when you're reading the phones and all the rest of it and everyone's just yeah. obsessed with technology they're not they're not they're not having conversations with people as you know normally i mean in israel they've now got these lights on the ground because people are walking around looking at their phones yeah. so those the yeah, the yeah. lights are on the ground now i mean this is crazy yeah. so everything just becomes very second hand and then it just becomes this kind of like you know homogenized beige
0: and more than and probably more than any other genres sci-fi is one of the most prescient uh it's this idea that like it ta- it, it i mean a- almost every sci-fi whether it whether it adopts this tone or not mm. winds up being some kind of satire mm. it's usually Im- inspired by something that somebody sees yeah. in the present day and then they just take it to a slight or, or a major extreme but it's like, well. It could be major today, but mm. who knows how what it'll mm. be in 20, 30 years, mm. that kind of thing. So, mm. uh, yeah, it definitely it definitely comes through. Um, well, that's why I think,
1: it, you know, when I saw Detroit, it mm-hmm. felt like something after the apocalypse, you know. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and to me, when I first wrote this, like 20, whatever it was, 15 years ago, and someone said, well, look, it's too futuristic, and, you know, it's yeah. going to cost $100 million. But even 15 years down the line, yeah. some of those things have already come into play. You know? Yeah. So I, I think... Trying to make it like it looks roughly modern day,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. In a sense, I don't think it is that sci-fi-ish. Yeah. You know? You've got a spaceship and a surveillance hub, but we yeah. kind of have those anyway. I mean, even when we were filming, there was a kind of yeah. an advertising blip, you know, and we filmed that because yeah. we used it in the film.
0: And the and I think the role of uh, the role of drones, I think, has been something that I was I was very glad to see it incorporated in, into your film in a, in a in a sequence that I found. Almost amusing. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. creepy certainly, yeah, yeah, but amusing yeah. that like this little robot is just yeah. floating outside a window watching people have sex, yeah. and yeah. and it just looks like, and the wind and the robot itself, the drone itself, looks like its own little character, and yeah, and yeah. it looks like a little bird. I know, it you is know. a little voyeuristic drone. Yeah, you know, and then it gets programmed out to be yeah. pulled away. It's
1: like no. I'm just yeah. enjoying
0: myself. So yeah. yeah, there's there's definitely a lot to I'm a big I'm a big sci fi person. Well, yeah. um, and uh, and yeah, I definitely think that the that the themes explored and the and the the way that it explored. The idea of like, you know, we have the going back to like metropolis, we have this idea of like, well the future, everything's gonna look like this. It's just like, yeah, but what if it actually what if the future just looks worse? Yeah. Like what yeah. if rather than than it's than improvement it winds up being degradation over yeah. the years? And so Um, so what, uh, you know, the, this is not a high budget film, um, so obviously there are going to be limitations like in what ways did you overcome those?
1: Well one um, of the biggest things was not having people on the streets. Now sure. I think in the future there won't be because mm-hmm. they will be sitting at home watching everything on TV yeah. and on their iPhones or whatever it would be then you know X phones I've got no yeah. idea. <laughs> um, they don't bump into each other in the street. I mean if you go to Europe mm-hmm. for years all those art movements and stuff like that was a result of all the cafes you know everybody sitting right. out and chatting to each other and this is how people communicated. communicate it. Whereas now I'm um, you know some people said oh look there's so low budget you couldn't have all why are all the people watching the screens? They're yeah. indoors. The place is polluted. You know they're watching their screens alone. Yeah. I mean, I read the statistic recently that was something like forty-four percent of New Yorkers live alone. Now mm-hmm. oh, I'm sure that's kind of low. Yeah. You know, I'm it's probably exactly the same in London. I'm not saying you have to live with someone to make right. life fantastic. Right. It can make it ten times worse. <laughs> um, but it's just that sort of isolation. And in a way, even though I think a lot of people are connecting online, it's you, you are missing out on. you're on a train, for example, mm-hmm. and every single person. on that carriage is on the phone, they've got their ear things in, yeah. but they're not hearing things that are really going on. Yeah. And you see fascinating things and you hear fascinating things. Um, I did say this in another interview, so, but I was on the train the other day in England and there was a little girl, you know, with her dad flipping through the newspaper and there was mm-hmm. a picture of a little Syrian girl. Mm-hmm. And she said, Well, why, why are they asking for money? It was Syrian crisis. He said, oh, They yeah. haven't got any money. And he said, she said, Well, how could she afford the trip to Syria? <laughs> but you know what I mean? He yeah, said, yeah. It's those little things and you're not going to hear those because everything you're listening to is second hand.
0: Apart from a conversation you're having with someone else, I uh, so my day job is as a college instructor, well, uh, film and history mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, and the other day, I'm usually I'm usually the first person in the class, and then the students come in. But the other day, I was running late, mm. and so I was a single minute late. So they were all there, mm. and I came in, and you know, you kind of expect this the, the cliche thing of like, oh, everyone's you know there's shooting spitballs and that kind okay. of thing and everyone's talking I walk in and it's dead silent and it's because every nobody's talking to each other no. even though they are friends with each yep. other everyone is looking at their phone and I'm and I don't want to be like an old fuddy-duddy but it definitely is like Mm. Uh, yeah, it's changing. Mm. It definitely is changing. Mm. That image of like, oh, the, the the professor's not here. Now we can be crazy. Ooh, no, nobody's interested in that. No, just not uh, wild anymore. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great for me because I was like, oh, this is going to be easy to get their attention. But yeah. well, hypothetically. Yeah, well, then um, you, so
1: you, should, you feel like doing <laughs> your video and just emailing to them, and then you can go home.
0: That would be great. I have a long commute, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely uh, an interesting. It's an interesting take on that because uh, I think one of the first things, I think it's written, I think it's a title card where you say anonymity is illegal. Is that what it was? Yeah. Um, And the concept of that early on in the film didn't really sink in for me Mm. until you come to realize that, like, you know, putting aside even social uh, social media, like, for years, even before Facebook Mm. and all that kind of thing, The the desire to be known, the desire to be famous is something that a lot of people have. The desire for significance. Uh, And yet, the desire, like, the... The, the right to not be known and just mm. be I'm just, I just want to yeah, do my yeah. own thing and not have anyone know what I'm doing yeah. and the fact that so many people it's like well why would you want no one to know what you're doing unless yeah, you're doing yeah. something wrong uh, and it's just the, mm. the film got me thinking about mm. that
1: I know and, I do think people feel like they don't exist if they haven't somehow engaged yeah. with social media yeah yeah. It's like, well, yeah, but like you're having a conversation I was in a pub in Germany and it
0: said you know no we don't have Wi-Fi. try talking to each other yeah. you know, <laughs> said it in German um, um, said it in which English. probably sounded <laughs> more angry. Um yeah, I mean I remember uh my my father a thing that he said a lot is that he said like I just want to make a difference. Mm. Uh and in and as I got older I started asking him like, "Well, what do you mean by that?" And he mm. tended to he didn't mean fame or anything mm. like that, but he definitely did seem to be locked into this idea of being known mm. and having some kind of legacy. So mm. I do think there's a human desire for a, a type of significance, mm. but At a time, you know, but now that everybody... What was that? To leave something behind. Exactly. But the idea of, like now that everybody has mm. a ca- the capability of mm. that you know like we're recording this on my phone mm. uh, and then I could send it out immediately if I wanted yeah. to um, I think now it goes the other way and now it's, it could be so much more refreshing to just not yeah. be under constant scrutiny yeah. and that kind of
1: thing I did quite like the idea with this originally that, that, that the that the, guy, the one person who wants an anonymity is the most famous person on the planet Yeah, you know and it, that he just become famous even for wanting his anonymity yeah. you know, um, yeah. but now you, know, you look even actors and <clears throat> one of the actors I work with on bigger than Ben, he's got a film coming out next week and he I looked online and it's like Instagram. He's got like a million followers. Oh yeah. And this is the way forward and you can't really blame the actors because obviously our agents are saying, well look this is how yeah. you get cast. You know, yeah. people want you to have a following of two point five million so that you can, you know, post it,
0: your film. And the fact of like uh, there's there's a moment in the film where someone's saying if you like this type of cigarette then yeah. everyone will want it or whatever it is. Yeah. Um and it got me thinking of this new concept of mm. the of influencers mm. you know the idea mm. of inst- who they don't i don't mean to say they're untalented because branding yeah. and publicity can itself be a talent yeah. but their whole thing is that they just influence people mm, and that is vaguely terrifying It is well, terrifying. What's <laughs>
1: terrifying is that anybody who doesn't have their own opinion or yeah. they'll read, uh, you know, I know is even who've sure. read, filmed, you know, read a review of someone else that they've written and thought, oh shit, maybe it is good or maybe it is bad or whatever and change mm-hmm. their review. Did you have an opinion or didn't you? Yeah. I mean, there's a, I, think, I don't know whether it's, it's not Kierkegaard, or Vic, um, is it Wittgenstein? I think it was Wittgenstein on his gravestone. Mm-hmm. Or, no, the last thing he said before he died was, I'm glad I wasn't influenced and that's yeah. what I want on my gravestone although sometimes yeah. you think you should be influenced but yeah. in terms of taking good advice from people like don't yeah. make that film <laughs> you know? <Sure>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever it happens to be. but no it, it, just being very strong willed about what you believe in and staying true to that you know I'm mm-hmm. not saying you can't change your mind or learn things from other people but no they influence things like we'll go and see this because so and so likes it you know yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I'm a bit, you know, in the world of film criticism. Of course, you're putting your your opinions out there all the time, and mm. and for me, I stopped thinking in terms of I want to try and keep people from seeing this movie. I don't care about that. It's more just here's what I here's what I saw and I thought it. If you want to see it, that's great. Now we can have a, a fun discussion, mm. um, and I think that a lot of uh, some of the better critics tend mm. to think less about. Uh, warning someone away, and more about just engagement, which yeah. I think is infinitely more preferable to Probably influence. It's too negative, right?
1: you know, anyway. Yeah. The whole. I mean, now I, I, you know, of course, you read some of the reviews, but what I find fascinating is, you know, if someone makes the effort to try and you know understand what the film's about and still doesn't like it right? yeah but if yeah. someone doesn't make the effort and goes oh, i can't understand a word of this and blah, but you're like well other people have understood a word of it so you're just looking stupid
0: yeah <laughs> and there comes and that's the thing yeah if somebody thinks about something and comes to a negative conclusion they're like yeah that's yeah. fine um i'm putting out a whole book of my negative conclusions that. but i try to be upbeat about it yeah um and uh, but, yeah, at the same time there there is something to be said for this feeling of, well, I didn't like this movie or this art or whatever it is. uh I didn't like it, and it's like, and everybody else does now, the fact that everybody else likes it doesn't mean you should like it, but I feel like for me it's like. I should give it a second thought Yeah, because people I trust and people Mm. who know what they're talking about, they seem to respond to this and I'm not. Mm. I might not in the long run, but at the same time, it's worth another look Mm. at that point. Mm. Um, And I think that's what, that's to the extent that like influencers can be important. I think that is the Mm. degree to which they can. So I've got kind of a a, a strange question, one that that seems like an easy answer, but you never know. Uh, are you happy with the film?
1: Well, put it like this, I, I, I think one of the problems was I knew there were loads of ideas in it. And mm-hmm. Really what I probably should have done was I probably should have turned, turned it into a TV series. Sure. Um, but, you know, you get an idea and you just want to run with it. So I think I probably just should have taken a couple of the themes out or a couple of the plot points out. So. I just think when you're that close to a film, you just don't know anymore. You right. don't know whether you've made something that's half decent mm-hmm. or rubbish, but it doesn't actually matter in some respects no. whether people like it or not. Yeah. And I, I stay true to the themes, as I, I like the way it looks, You know, I like the performances, but yes, I mean, there are things that would have changed. We didn't have enough money to have some of the bigger scenes in there kind of needed. Mm-hmm. Like, so for example, he goes for a job one day and we were going to shoot that in the Millennium Dome. You know, if you have 7,000 extras, sure. you know, he's, he's ticket number 6,642, yeah. you get a sense of how hopeless the world is. but have that kind of money, right? So then it does feel much smaller. Um, that's the only regret, yeah. I didn't, I didn't listen to people who said you cannot make it for that money, and it was less than two million dollars, no. it was about 1.2. Um, I thought, no, yeah, we will, we will. And of course, you had to cut down on things like that. So yeah. I, I can never say, yeah, I don't know that anyone would ever say they were happier with a film when they've made it. I'd be stunned, right? Um, because I, everyone else who makes films I've spoken yeah. to feels the same. I mean, I bumped into D- Danny Boyle once, and it was in, um, he was trying to promote Slumdog Millionaires. Mm-hmm. When Warner Bros. was trying to bury it. Yeah. He was trying to put it out on DVD and he's out there doing the work and going to all the festivals and he said, You only ever remember your first
0: bad review. Oh, sure.
1: Doesn't matter how many reviews. And I don't really want to, if I ever bump into it again, say, Well, do you only remember the first bad review of Slum Millionaire? Yeah. Really? After winning the Oscar? Do you care?
0: Yeah. But you only remember the first bad review? Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> uh, I'd say that's true of life in general. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily just filmmaking. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a question that I was I was curious to ask because, of course, doing publicity and stuff, a person has to mostly say, oh, yeah, we're very happy, you know mm. that kind of thing. But you never know, like especially mm. when a, a, a lower budget, you're going to have mm. obstacles that you have to nav- you know navigate around, and maybe you're not thrilled with the navigation. And mm. so, uh, so I'm always curious to know yeah. what uh, what a filmmaker thinks.
1: I don't know I don't think everybody
0: else did their job very
1: well that's what I'd say (laughs) you know um, DP's very good actors are good Mm -hmm. set was, yeah they were all brilliant Um, but you know throughout the shoot people would come and go what's it about again I go I don't know you will know at the end Yeah, um, and it just became this ongoing joke that actually mm-hmm. but then when I gave it to a psychologist recently I said look will you do an essay on what you think this is about oh, that's so great. this psychologist has done this fantastic essay actually I've got to say and I'm reading really it thinking wow God yeah I like this from
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: because you are so close to it and it took me a while to really get home in back on the themes and when I did I remembered why I wrote it in the first place and that is the trouble with such a long drawn out process you know yeah. because you you fiddle with it a bit and we had two editors as well so the first editor did all the first lot of the shoot and then she mm-hmm. was on another job when we started the second part of the shoots and then another editor came in um and then you know i probably ruined it a bit and hacked it a bit and the other problem was i'd i was moving around all the time because mm-hmm. i'd sold my flat in london to finish the film
0: oh wow
1: yeah done but there you go i did it um i probably sold at a time which was very not a very sensible thing to do because two years down the line it increased by about 50 percent um but as a result of that i then went looking for boats because i thought that's the only thing i can afford so now i've got a mooring in london which is what i'd always wanted anyway so it's fine um but because you're moving around a lot you don't have all the drives there Mm. i ended up also doing a bit of a recut from what was effectively the finished film instead of going back to the original files um so i don't know look it, uh, you, you know I've, I've, some people love it and some people absolutely hate it and i've had a, i'd say that the the, the the reviews have been fairly mixed there's two that raved about it and two that spat hatred out yeah. and then in between there's a kind of like uh, like it like it no i don't know i'm not sure didn't like it you know so it's a kind of a gradient
0: yeah i was i was looking at the reviews uh beforehand like after i watched the movie i was looking at what other people were yeah. saying and yeah there are some there are some Holy negatives. There are holy mm. positives, and then it was mostly kind of in the middle where people said, "Like, well, there are things I didn't care for, but there are other things that I can't deny." Yeah. Uh, and so, and that's, and I'd say that's, yeah, that's he, about where where I land is that is l- largely positive. Yeah. So, um, and I did have a question, but I'm always reluctant to ask it. Mm. Uh, in in this situation, you know, there's been a lot of talk, mm. uh, especially in the U.S. about female directors yeah. and like the unique like a different perspective mm. i say unique mm. well it's 50% of the population so technically not mm. that unique but in film mm. very unique mm. and so um and when P, you know when katherine bigelow like won mm. her oscar and just the fact that she'd been yeah. making action films for so long people were thinking like well what does it look like for a female director not merely to to Make something within a male dominated medium, but also I would say uh, a male dominated genre, yeah. which is sci fi. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you brought, like you had a unique perspective on the genre as a female director? And, and again, I apologize if that's mm. like an offensive. It's not question. offensive,
1: it's just, but it's a funny, you see, I feel like saying to people, I don't know, I didn't direct when I was a man. Yeah, you know exactly. I've mean? just it's, got nothing yeah. to compare it to. But yeah. I do, I have found, I remember going to um, it was a screening of a a film called I think it was called ID all I remember it had Charlie Hooman in it it was directed by a female Mm -hmm. a German female director and the, the audience which was mainly male were incredibly a lot of animosity and i couldn't work it out you know i asked you know asked a friend who's a psychologist he yeah. said um, well you know she's trod on the male tropes and you know you just don't do that and I, and, I, and now whether that's true or yeah. not i've got no idea but i was quite surprised by the nastiness of some of the reviews it's like and i think if you write a review and they, it tells you more about the person than it does about the film then you yeah. failed as a reviewer mm-hmm. really you know it doesn't matter if you like something or you don't but if you sound like you're a nut job yeah yeah then Someone's not. You know, I'm, I'm reading it, thinking, "Christ, these guys are going to shoot up a school one day." You know. Yeah. So they're... that's the only thing. In terms of the male-female directory thing, I, you know, to me, I just, I, I it's, it's all so boring. Mm-hmm. It's the same as, and I'm with the greatest respect, but we, I was just talking to someone now. We had lunch and about the, you know, you have an LGBT. Sure. And, um, whatever it's called, film festival, or this, that, and the other, and the day we never have to discuss this is when we, we know that everything's alright, because otherwise it's like, yeah. who cares? I, I don't think there are a few female directors because loads of men try to elbow them out. There's a multitude Correct. of reasons why there aren't. You give up yeah. after three and think, fuck this, it's not worth it. Yeah. You know, there's other things to pursue, or... Um, and, and and I do think that women, and this is a terrible thing to say, because it is going to sound sexist, but they're not as focused to the, to the loss of all other things. Interesting. Men can seem to just focus on something and just to, 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 you know.
0: That is definitely a theory that uh, my wife has. Okay, uh, there we because, go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> she says <Focus>. like, <laughs> and she doesn't say it in a critical way, but she says like, when you when you lock, saying it to me, like when you lock mm. onto something, you're very good at that one thing. Mm. She goes, I feel like I'm much better able to handle yeah. a lot, yeah. which and that's the thing is like directing is both, mm. I mm. think.
1: Yeah, it's multi. There's a lot of things to. But uh, but in terms of um, the Catherine Bigelow film or both of them, but certainly the second one, Zero Dark Thirty. I mm. did no, In fact, I'll say it with the first one um, that she won the Oscar for. Um, Hurt Locker mm-hmm. but I did feel I had a different sensibility about it actually yeah. I think that's why I really liked it and that's why I think some other people didn't like it and I, I, I you know I'm not really actually a fan of war films I know there's been some brilliant ones yeah. you know, and all the rest of it We've um, I love the one with Clint Eastwood um, Eagles landed or whatever but, but when I was watching I did have a, I thought why do I like this film more and it's much more about the psychology of this one guy which mm-hmm. okay is, it is about that one guy I'm not saying yeah. that Ridley Scott would have made a different film I don't right. know but I found that that's why I felt I was drawn in. And the scene where they, they're taking ages um, spying on that guy and waiting uh, and waiting and waiting. And she's very good at having that kind of. And she did the same with Zero Dark 30 when they get in the choppers, or whatever they are, to go over to Afghanistan. Anyone yeah. else, you would have just seen a map and they went like that or whatever. Yeah. But no, they're there and you see their faces. And, the, and, you know, you could say they did the same in Platoon, but Platoon was still manic and mad. Yeah. And it just she just took the time.
0: There's a patience to her that. That the genre tends not to have. You wouldn't mm-hmm. think that patience in an action movie or a war movie would be rewarded, but it absolutely is. Yeah. And I think it—I think it definitely fits yeah. the character study at it mm. concept that you're talking about. Um, yeah. So, uh, do you? This is a, kind of a general question. Do you have any? I would say any influences on you as a director, and also just movies in general that you love, whether it be on, the, you know, influence on this film mm.
1: or in general. I do well. No, I, I you couldn't say. I couldn't say for sure. I think your influence way absolutely everything you've seen and heard course, and all the rest yeah. of it. You know, it just becomes who you are. No favorite films. I'd say I love Bad Day at Black Rock. I'd oh. watch that till the cows come home. <laughs> um, it amazes me. It's that I just wonder, hey, did he storyboard it? It's so perfect. Yeah. And, you know, the, the way he's caught and stuck and lost, trapped. In the desert. Everywhere yeah. you look, is open plains, you know he's stuck. Mm-hmm. And that, that conversation he has with the guy in the, the, the truck when they're trying to mend the truck, and he's kind of saying to me, It's over for you, you're mm-hmm. never going to get out of here. You don't seem to understand that, you know? Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, obviously, I love Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And the film that really stayed with me for a long time was La Strada
0: I've actually never. It's sitting on my shelf, and I've never seen it.
1: Well, it shocked me because mm-hmm. you know they're very slow those films, and all the way you're watching it, you're not aware that you're being touched by this thing, and then yeah. suddenly you are, and it, and that stayed with me for a long time. Um, and probably my favourite film is Battle of Algiers. Oh yeah. I mean, how you can imagine it making that now? Yeah. When oh, the yeah. lead character is a, uh, you know a terrorist (laughs) effectively and in real life he was Mm -hmm. Um, but you you side with him you've got sympathy for him and it's incredible Um, but yes I don't know I I would like I think I remember Paul Verhoeven I think it was started having um, teaching people you had to make two films before you could join his class Mm. but I quite like that because I, I, and in fact if he was still doing it I think he's probably 90 now I don't yeah. know I would definitely do that I think you can always learn things and you know in the end you can only do things like you feel but I had. what was I started doing with the writing thing I think I had started to do, you know, doing other things to do with writing and different mm-hmm. experiments um, because you know you can always learn things, and I, you know, I look at someone like Hitchcock, and I think that is how I really want to make films. I want to be able to just tell it with pictures. Yeah. He just told it with pictures. Yeah. I mean, there's mo- okay, there's some conversation, but mostly he he really was the one of the few. Oh, I love Ridley Scott. You know, yeah. I look at The Martian, and that's and it's beautiful and all the rest of it. But it's very yeah. different in terms of you know. It's, it's a
0: surprisingly a, talky film. Yeah, it's surprisingly um,
1: talky. I should have won yeah. an Oscar. Though. Certainly, Matt Damon should have won an Oscar. Hmm. I lo- you're not a big fan of The
0: Martian. I'm such a I, fan I, of it. I really like The Martian. Mm. I don't love it. I think he's great. And I think the whole yeah. cast is great, but I think he's great. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big... I've been a fan of Matt Damon for a long time. Yeah. And he's one of those guys that... It's not like he was unsung. He's, mm. he's gotten plenty famous. Mm. Uh, but it was one of those that like for a long time people... In the early two thousands, they were always pointing to Di- on, to DiCaprio, who is mm. himself very good, of course. Yeah. Um, but they're like, oh my gosh, look how amazing he is. Meanwhile, like mm. uh, some friends and I were just like. I don't know, this Matt Damon guy, like, you look at talented Mr. Ripley, you look yeah, at yeah, uh, yeah. even more conventional stuff like Goodwill Hunting, and he's always finding just mm. kind of an odd angle yeah. at and which to approach these characters. It changed
1: change the way he looks as well. When he did The Departed, I thought it was incredible that he managed to come across as this non-sexual, yeah, almost bisexual. He didn't quite know what... He, I mean, incredible. You know, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio was playing the absolute, you
0: know, opposite, pro, yeah. pro, totally sexual, but how he changed himself, I mean, that was amazing. Yeah, and it's... And it's sometimes just the way he carries himself. Mm. He doesn't look mm. that different in The Departed. And yet somehow yeah. just, he just, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, of course, stuff like The Informant. Mm. Uh, sorry, The Informant. It has an exclamation point. Um, yeah, he's a marvelous mm. actor. And, mm. uh, you know, he'll get his Oscar at some point. Oh, but, yeah. Dear. But that was, I mean, really, Scott should have won a BAFTA at least for Best Director.
1: <laughs> I mean, no wonder the guy, you know, he's probably one of the best visual stylists maybe
0: in the last hundred years. And he hasn't won an Oscar. I think it's a bit bonkers. I don't think I would argue with that. His films have had kind of diminishing returns, but not visually. No. Like from a storytelling standpoint, I feel like, it's like, Alien, Covenant, come on, man. But it's still visually interesting, yeah. you know, and yeah. it's just a shame that, like... They've not all been great, but, they, you know, yeah.
1: Alien... I mean, the, the, yeah. if anyone made one of those films, I'd be proud but yeah. Alien, Thelma and Louise...
0: Yeah, I mean, Black Hawk Blade Down, Runner. Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. there's another one as well that he's done that was brilliant. Anyway. Uh, yeah, and in, in one of the classes that I teach, when we get to the week on visual design, I show um, Alien, because, like... Um, you can't do any better than that. Um, no, I love that kind of B-movie feel as well, uh, yeah. even though I know it's, you know it's not a B-movie. But yeah.
1: you know, and, and that's what I loved about Blader, and I mm-hmm. love the fact that things could have looked like they came out of a corner <laughs> plate packet. It really <laughs> is a kind of a rough, yeah. um, fantastic... And, and, it, and of course, it's not visual effects. Well, I mean, it's, visual, it's not yeah. you know, CGI.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, explaining that to students who you know, not to not to mm. put anything you know, but they're eighteen, nineteen. They were raised in yeah. the era of visual effects, yeah. uh, and so in watching mm. Alien or some of these older uh, older movies. They say like, oh, well, was that done? You know, mm. this way, this way. It's like, no, not not even mm. close. Green screen at the most, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. about. Oh, but blue screen at the time. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to see mm. the change in questions and attitude and that kind of thing. But, yeah. um, but okay, so uh, so I think we should probably wrap up. But yeah, uh, listeners, check out uh, Division Nineteen uh, and. Thank you so much for, for being here. I, I hope nice you, you uh, enjoyed yourself and yeah, uh, best that's of good. luck with the movie. Always good to remember what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's hope so. All right.
1: Thank you You're so welcome. much. You're welcome. You're welcome.